Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Drivers, start your engines! Get the pace car! What for? Because you hit any other damn thing out there, I want you to be perfect! When I'm driving, I got a guy on the radio who talks to me. It's him. He talks to me. Good evening, race fans. Welcome to the Hoobazoo Radio Network and welcome to the Drafting the Circus program. My name is Frank Santoroski. I'll be your host for the next hour as we talk about this past weekend racing and preview next week. Joining me in the studio, I have Richard Uden and Louise Torres. Fellas, how are we doing? Very good, thank you. It's been an adventurous past couple weeks. Certainly, yeah. So, Louise, you've just returned from Phoenix, Arizona, where NASCAR held their championship weekend. So we have three uh, new champions in NASCAR. Um, uh, and all, all three championships had a bit of a different result. If we look at uh, Ben Rhodes, who won the uh, the truck championship, here's a guy who, you know, started off the year with a bang with a couple of back-to-back wins and then didn't visit Victory Circle again the rest of the year, but but maintained that consistency with uh, several top 10 finishes in the podium and wise up as a champion. And then proceeded to deliver, oh, the most entertaining post-race interview uh, presser I've seen in a long time. And uh, more on that later. And then we had in the Xfinity series, Tyler Reddick, who has not Tyler won. Uh, negative, negative there. No. Not Tyler Reddick. Uh, Tyler Reddick's a cup guy. Yeah, I yeah. thought so. No, what's Daniel Hemrick. Daniel Hemrick. See, they got similar names. Yeah. I yeah. mix I mix those two guys up, right? I mean, they drove for Keselowski and trucks in the past, so it makes yeah, sense. I, yeah. Okay. Maybe maybe I got a little Ben Rhodes syndrome going on. I don't know. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> so. Daniel Hemrick. Not won a race in his career. This is his first and only win, and it also comes along with the championship. And then, of course, in the cup race, we had uh, – Kyle Larson being victorious, the guy who won the most races this year, um, you know, win, wins the last one. Great last pit stop uh, to seal that off. So everybody can feel like uh, the right guys won that cup for sure. So um, so uh, so let's get into which race do you want to talk about first, Louise? I mean, you, you were there all weekend long. Honestly, I want to talk about that Xfinity race real quick because. In this world, what I do and what I love to thrive to do well, and hopefully for many years, many more years to come, I have never been that nervous over a race ever in my in my entire life. I've covered some 
so many moments like Deegan's first win, Elio's fourteen five hundred. Out the I was there when the when there was only six cars left in the Bush Clash, the last traditional Bush Clash. This one I was I just had no idea how it was going to end up. Was it going to be like Bristol all over again with Cindric and Almendinger crashing towards the line, or was it going to be Gregson rallying back, or all four of the, all the three title contenders of Gregson, Cindric, and Hembrick wrecking, and Almendinger wins it from out of nowhere? There was so much stuff going on. I just did not know how exactly it was going to play out, and Hembrick was just timed it perfectly. He just did not give up. And the thing about Hembrick, it's the day before his primary hauler was stuck in Texas. So what they had to do is get Ty Gibbs' Arca West hauler, in which he won the race, by the way. Chesley Love won the championship in one of the most Felipe Massa, Timo Glock moments of all time. But the big picture was the car, the 18 car, arrived in a white trailer. Sun was beaming before, like about a half hour before Xfinity practice. And then they unloaded the car, they set up the cameras, they went straight to work, and they got him out in practice. It was third quickest. So I knew from the back of my mind, I just saw that maybe all this rotten luck that Hamburg has had, maybe it will cultivate to something greater tomorrow. And lo and behold, final corner, got the run, battled real hard with Austin Cendrick, they the rough fenders and Hebrick actually hold them off with the big win and his final race with Joe Gibbs racing, no less. Dave Rogers' first win as a crew since Carl Edwards' his final cup win at Texas, which co- ironically took place on the day of November 6, 2016. So five years to the day between wins for Dave Rogers. Yeah, it's- it was it was a really good battle for, for at least three of the four guys. And I know Cindric was very dis- disappointed uh, to get, you know, sort of moved out of the way at the last minute. But but for his part, I thought he was very uh very mature in, in, in handling it and, and uh, congratulating, you know, his rival there losing the title. Yeah. And that's one of the six that Jeff, when I interviewed Jeff Burden during media day that he pointed out, that's one of the, one of the main characters of Boston center. He has really grown and matured a lot. When we were talking about how maturity and respect and all of that, after the wild truck race at Marsville was, he pointed out, Jeff Burden pointed out Cindric being one of those guys that is, got it together and that's one of the things that he has grown a lot because i remember 2017 he was just viewed at a negative light and in 2018 just couldn't find any luck at all in the 60 car with roush and just over time i think by running the xfinity series for a number of years being a regular a frequent contender for wins has molded him quite well to i think he may be all right for his cup rookie here in the two car yeah, I really He's come feel, a long ways. Yeah, even though he he won the championship last year, I think that that uh, this one more season in Xfinity is going to have him so much uh, better prepared to and and just the way things fell in place because he was originally slated to you know slide over to the Wood Brothers car, but now he's you know hopping in pretty much uh, you know the, the the top rung of Penske there that that number two car has uh, been the pretty much the team leader over the years. So that's a really good ride. He's stepping into. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it would be curious to see how he does the cup. I mean, if things cer- went a certain way, Cindra could have, pro- Cindra could have been a Daytona 500 champion this year in his cup debut. He had a really strong car at one point to where 
maybe he could have been a, in that fight for the win at Daytona for the 500 because he had a spectacular debut and a strong car. All the Penske's were good, but he surprised me a lot that he was actually in the mix. And when it comes to road courses, I think there's no question he'll be a contender right out of the gate. He's just going to have to deal with A.J. Allmendinger and Kyle Larson and Chase Elliott on a regular basis now on those road courses. All right. Yeah. I mean, I don't think he's going to walk in and be a cup champion first off, but I, I, but again, like I said, I feel this one more year in Xfinity has probably prepared him very well. And I think he's making the transition to cup at the exact correct time in his career and, and, and picking up a very good ride again. So, but let's talk more about our champion uh, whose name I can't remember. Hemrick. Absolutely. I, Cause I confuse those two guys. So what are, what are his plans going forward? I mean, you had mentioned this he's, last race with uh, with Gibbs. He's going to Colleague Racing to, I remember, I think he's taking over Justin Haley's number 11 car. So he's coming into the main car of Colleague Racing while Haley will move up full-time in the Cup Series with Colleague after spending a couple years with Colleague and Xfinity. A couple Cup stars then and there, he just spent this He's just basically finished 2021 essentially running double duty for almost the whole entire campaign with Spire and Cup and colleague with Xfinity. So, yeah, Hamburg is going to go for, with that very team. Of course, is, is he going? With, is he going at the cup level or see another full Xfinity. year? Xfinity. Another full year in Xfinity. Okay. So he's kind of basically probably going into a Tyler Reddick moment, speaking of, because when Reddick won the championship the first time in 18, he was did it with JRM. He wasn't their best driver. I'd be curious to see in, in 2022 if Hebrick racks up wins and be in contention for a number of them on a regular basis with colleague, similar to when Hem, Hemrick, I mean, Reddick went to RCR in 19. I still stand when you he went see, to RCR in 19. See, see, you confuse those two guys too. I mean, I confuse people. <laughs> I, I confuse people all the time, you know. That's kind of part of the routine. Yeah. <laughs> but, 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 Hembrick is going to a pretty good ride, too. I'd be curious to see if Hembrick will have the Reddick effect to where he goes to a team that is on par but not ahead of, a, of the team they were before and actually go guns ablaze, blaze of glory, and dominate. Because we saw that in Reddick in 19 where he actually – his second – his title defense was way better than the first one because he actually was a frequent driver that won races and competed up front, whereas in 2018 with JRM, Reddick only won the first race of the season and won the last one of the year. And which, well, when we talk about trucks, it's kind of similar with the particular champion that won the truck series race right out of the gate but didn't win since. Right, but, right, so – now, speaking of our truck series champion, I did want to circle back to this press conference thing because I thought it was so entertaining. It's the, it's the funniest thing I've seen since Keselowski won the cup and a couple hours later got on wind tunnel. And, you know, at, at the end of the season, uh, you know, you've, you've had his dream winning championship. Uh, you know, you've got a safe ride home. <laughs> Why not uh, celebrate with a few drinks? But uh, so, you know, young, young Ben Rhodes here, Plenty, plenty of champagne there at, at the end of the day. Uh, plenty of cans of Bud Light, uh, which he gave. He gave Bud Light some good uh, sponsorship time. So, but, but, you know, but, and he's, again, he's raced a couple hours here. You know, probably hadn't eaten since the morning. Uh, a little dehydrated from being in a, 
hot car in Phoenix, um, you know, with the adrenaline on. So, you know, that stuff goes to your head pretty quick. Uh, but, but in the, in the presser, he's just, he's pretty toasty. And it's, 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 it's very entertaining when just to watch it. If you haven't seen this folks that are listening, just Google that Ben Rhodes um, press conference. Uh, it, it's very entertaining. He's uh, you know, he's going between making race car noises. There's a room, room, room. Not today, Mama Jamma, and 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 alternately to now. What was I talking about now? Oh yeah, I'm feeling good because my bud is here with me. So it was just uh, very entertaining. Really, uh, you know, I think some people may look at that in a negative light, say he's it's bad for the sport. But hey, you know, these guys work hard for that, and uh, who, who doesn't like to celebrate with a couple of cold beers, right, Richard? <laughs> Oh, I mean, I think. Sorry, I was just stopping myself up there. Um, No, I I think. How do you think I get through this show every week? Um, (laughs) No, I think it's uh, it's great when you see these guys. You know, especially in that situation. You know, they've just won a championship. It's it's been the culmination of a year year long you know work by these guys. And yeah, you've got to let your hair down and and, uh, have some fun. you know, I wouldn't know anything about winning championships and celebrating, but, uh, you know, the odd race when the here and there, it's definitely worth celebrating for sure. And, and evidently since then, people have been like shipping 30 packs of Bud Light to his house. <laughs> He's been on Instagram. Oh, look, more Bud Light. If it doesn't lead to a sponsorship opportunity, even if it's for one race, I'll be, I'll be, a, it'll be, it'll be a travesty because I mean, there's good publicity. I think if Bud Light wants to jump aboard, they have no conflict. Bud Light is part of Anheuser Bush. Bush is part of Anheuser and all of that. So I don't think there should be. There's no clause anymore, to my knowledge. So why not give it a go? If I were but if I were Bud Light, sure. Bud Light is not my preference of choice. I'm more of a Heineken kind of guy with Bud. I like my Budweiser and my Miller and all that. But not. I'm not. Yeah. But anyways. I don't but think it was you'll be getting a, cases of Heineken at your front door, Louise, after night show. I'm sorry. If that's what you're aiming for. I don't, <laughs> think, uh, I don't think you uh, might have the same social media outreach as a NASCAR truck champion. I'm sorry. I know. And I'm not I'm not flagging myself against sponsorship for, for them, so it's all good. But it was certainly entertaining. I haven't seen anything at a name like I think it's more or less people realizing that Ben has a personality. And I knew that from Ben as that. When it comes to the few times I've asked questions towards Ben Rhodes or back where is it Daytona in 2019 or even even in that conference, you he's one hell of a quote. He'll give you a response. He'll give you the details about certain things. During media day, he was telling me how the about his, how his cup debut. He he felt like he'll have a lot of experience down there and all that stuff. So. That's the thing about Ben. He's that he's one hell of a quote. Like he'll give you plenty of re- information response wise. I remember when he won the road course at Daytona. I said, "Will that be enough to make to go for the Rolex 24?" And I asked him about that. It's like he just won the Daytona road course. He's already thinking about Rolex 24. It would it be neat to see him run? Sure. I'm not sure what how where his FIA license status is because they like to change it a lot to where say Parker Kligerman went from bronze to silver. And they they is 
maybe during the offseason or whenever we could talk about the license status about bronze and silver. That might be an interesting learning curve. But oh yeah, the whole the whole FIA licensing process is a very interesting thing that's been you know brought to a lot of light lately, particularly with all the Colton Herta Alfa Romeo stories that turned out to be um, non-stories, but, uh, you know, a lot of people have, uh, kind of really looked at that. It's kind of interesting that, uh, you know, the, uh, to win, if you win an NASCAR cup championship, that gives you the same amount of super license points as winning the Indy lights championship. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a win. I yeah, mean, no, okay, so, so so you're talking about really dumping on U.S. racing and showing no respect for the series that number one is, is like largely it's probably the second most popular form of racing in the world after Formula One. They've got the longest schedule, uh, but but to say yeah, it's you're on par with Indy Lights. Yeah, that's just that's just ridiculous. They got to do and, yeah, and, and and I know the cars aren't open wheel and the, the, the speed is lower, but yeah, it's a, it's a weird system that we could talk about Be be great fodder for a, a show coming up in a few weeks when there's less racing to talk about. Yeah. We'll talk more about Andretti later because it involves one driver. That's no longer with the program, but join another one that is full-time bound. But to wrap up the truck series story, Ben was a master of consistency all season long. Yes, he only won Daytona, the road course, and the oval configuration, nothing else. But what he had is consistency. And I know in a system that is all about winning, Ben was just more consistent than John Hunter Nemechek. Yet, and Nemechek hadn't won since June, I think, with Pocono. He hadn't won in a long while. But he was still viewed as the fastest and the favorite to win it. But he had problems in the final two races of involving other people either taking him out or damaging the truck beyond this repair, beyond repair or re- to fully recover. Nemechek got upset with Chris Wright, which I totally understand because it looked like Chris Wright just door slammed him and damaged the truck. And not sure what the whole deal with John Wood was, but he was just not happy because it felt like that championship should have been his. And because of the downfall towards the end of the year, Ben Rhodes had ultimately ended up having the better average finish than John Hunter. So, see it as you will. Yes, Nemechek was the best truck driver in the field, but Ben Rhodes did what is what it used to be back in the day. If you're consistent and put yourself in position to run really good, it may favor you in the long haul, and that's what happened for Rhodes. He got the championship, and another one for Thor Sport, and so, yeah, it kind of worked out for him in his favor. And as far as the race itself, it was a bit mostly a Sheldon Creed and Chandler Smith battle all night. Chandler Smith won his second race of the year and his career and locked up Rookie of the Year honors over Carson Hosevar due to that victory because they, he came into that race three points to the good of, for that honors. So be curious to see how Chandler does because I still think he, along with Sam Mayer and Jesse Love, are the more touted drive by the three drivers that I view in high regard 
Yeah, Chandler came into this NASCAR in good in really high regard, really good in ARCA and all that stuff. But he kind of went through a learning curve in his rookie year. He it seems like he's got it together now. So you, I keep an eye on him in twenty two. That's Chandler Smith kid. Certainly, yeah. So let's talk about the Cup race then, uh, where we had, as always, you know, our our championship four seemed to pretty much run at the front all day. Uh, I, 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 I think they finished once before, if I'm not mistaken. Ryan Blaney got by Chase Elliott. That's, that's right. yeah, Bla- yeah, Blaney snuck in there. You're right. You're right. But, so. uh, but they were all four very close to the front, um, which is just one of these anomalous things that always happens in the championship race. And I, and I don't know if it's that uh, these guys just prepare so much for this race or that the other guys just get out of the way because you don't want to be the one to, you know, get it, get in the way and uh, decide the title for somebody else. Uh, And and stop Kyle Larson at Homestead. He was in the mix regardless, or Jeff Gordon 2014 until he some reason pitted late in the race. It was non-factor after that. No, I'm just saying, I'd say a hundred, I'd say a hundred percent of the time, but uh, certainly uh, more often than not, the, the four championship, Contender show was running near the front and this, this one went back and forth several times. I mean, we had, a, uh, you know, um, true X was up there for a while. Henny, Henny, uh, Denny Hamlet took a little turn at the lead there. Um, chase was up front for a while. Larson was up front on and off all day. Uh, he's been up front on all year. Uh, and yeah. so, so you really got to say, uh, he, he looked to be in danger of losing this one until a late caution came out, which your conspiracy theorist will say that was a phantom caution. Maybe it wasn't, maybe it wasn't. I don't know, but uh, his, his crew, um, his crew managed to give him a perfect pit stop. And, and as we all know, perfect pit stops help win races and it put him out ahead of the guys. And it was, you know, game over from there. Help to have that number one saw too, but with Larson, it was a curious case because he was up front and he had some fender to fender moments with Chase Elliott. They just really fought hard and something. And then at one point, I set him back to where he had to work his way back towards the front. And by the time Truex seems like he was running away with it, Davis Starr. I've heard two things. Initially, I heard that his car was slow that to the point it was around stalled. Then I look back at the official data board is says it was debris from star's car so call what you will but it gave larson another chance to get up the retruex and what was it a sub 12 second pit stop to get him out in front which will be which was also comes to find out the last ever pit stop on this with the five lug nuts you'll still see it in xfinity and trucks just cup we're going with a single bull so for larson's crew to get it done in the final pit stop when it really matters most it told you everything that it was an all-around team effort. He even told Cliff Daniels in that mosh pit that felt like a mosh pit when he got out of the car with the series of crew members and photographers and all that. That Cliff told Kyle, you did it, and Kyle told him in return, no, we did it. We It was a whole team effort, and it was. They've just delivered big time, and it helped. It, it, did it help to have the number one pit stop and Larson winning the poll the day before? Yes. But you got to put all the nuts and bolts together to get it done, and they did. Truex gave it his all. He did everything what he could have done, but just couldn't get there. He tried. He tried. He's just that 
short run, long runs was all the difference. Sometimes clean air and dirty river couldn't reign supreme, but we saw all of that in the final restart. But Larson just, what a season. Not just because he's the first man since Jimmy Johnson to win 10 races. He's also, look at what he's done in the sprint and open wheel third world. Knoxville, King's Crown, Shealy's Bowl. Yeah, I know. He, yeah, he's on his days off. What are you doing your days off? He goes, oh, I go win more races. Yeah, there's no off, <laughs> you know? there's no off season for Larson. The only off season he really has is just his media appearances in L.A. and whatever, uh, in Nashville and all that stuff. But besides that, he, I, there's no... He's probably going to continue racing and win races because we have not seen somebody, a driver that goes out and win in multiple disciplines and win championships and all that stuff in a real long time. We haven't seen that in ages. This is some people say that his largest 2021 season will go down. It's probably one of the greatest seasons by a driver ever, at least at the, in the modern in the modern era, because it's kind of tough to compete with Foyt, what Foyt and Andretti did in the 60s when they were able to do all the different types of vehicles in that era. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, it almost surprised me that, that Larson is still allowed to do all this, you know, side work, moonlighting, if you, if you call it uh, with, with a cup contract, but, but then again, he's not bound to a major sponsor either, uh, which is, which is the other, cause you know, half the time his sponsor is Hendrick Motorsports. Yeah. The only time we yeah, see yeah, he's got something a few... different like Valvoline every now and then. Yeah. It was this year. Races. You went till next year. Well, that'll be different, I'm sure. So I'm going to be happy to put their name on a scar, yeah. So exactly, cup of noodles. What did he say on that uh, on that uh, Twitch stream again, or whatever it was again? That's forgotten, isn't it? What did he say? I can't remember now. Well, I, I'm not going to repeat it on the radio. <laughs> no, we're not going to. We're not going to. We're not going to say but it. You there. know what? You know where I'm coming from. I, I you know, know where you're coming. Yeah, that's everybody distanced himself for a while, and then oh look, ah, uh, you know, sometimes money comes before uh, ethics, doesn't it, in sports? Yeah, it's just how it's just how it is. The ones that I know when all the sponsors cut ties with him, I think Finley Farms was one of the very few that stuck with him from the very beginning. Albeit that's for his his outlaws cars and all that stuff, but still, I think over time once he get, I think I wouldn't be surprised if he gets more sponsorships in the come in a year or two. But I think with everything that he's been through, I think he shows that. What everybody has thought about for a decade. Oh, for sure. You give the guy, you know, no disrespect to Ganassi. They were never in a position to win a championship. They'd win the odd race here or there. Um, and he was definitely the differentiating factor in that team. And, um, you know, it would have been interesting to have known where he would have gone if what happened hadn't happened, because I think his contract was up at the end of that year anyway. And it was always, oh, you know, that you know, Hendrick was probably the place he would have gone. But obviously, everything that did happen sort of enabled that to happen a little bit easier, should we say? So it would have been interesting to have seen what the dynamics of that whole silly season would have been if, uh, if you know, if it had taken its normal course. Yeah, for sure, because he had he wasn't bound to anybody coming into twenty twenty one. You know, everything was. Everything was blank. So, but, 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 but I mean, but good for him. You know, it's here's a guy who's uh, evidently learned his lesson about the, and, you know, to the point of the thing on the Twitch stream, I, I don't think anything really nefarious was meant by it. Oh, for sure. You know, he I was just it, a, it was, an idiotic was, off the cuff comment, off the cuff comment that, that he says to his friends that he just didn't even realize yeah. 
you know, never didn't realize he was live, which is no excuse. Right. And um, so, yeah, but I, I'm sure, and, he's, and, and I'm sure he's, you know, he's learned his lesson there and, you know, it almost, it looks like he, he's came out better for it for sure. But uh, I mean, it is what it is, but here's, but here's a guy who's still relatively young, right. Still, you know, one of the greatest talents we've seen in a while. And, and just, just to imagine what he can do going forward uh, is pretty damn impressive. Yeah. yeah and even and it, and it also, it's, go ahead. one thing, I, one thing I did want to mention, you know, it, it's interesting. Everybody sort of looks at the, and I don't want to say this, use this in the wrong word, the demise of Hendrick Motorsport, you know, post, you know, the Dale Jr., Jimmy Johnson, Jeff Gordon era, where they had, you know, three of the, the, the most marketable top guys in the sport. You know, Hendrick were the, were the pinnacle of the sport for such a long period of time. Then, you know, they did drop off a little bit, you know, after Jeff Gordon left and Jimmy Johnson was sort of on the on the down downward spiral of his, his, his career. And you had that, Sort of year, a couple of years where, you know, especially Joe Gibbs was like the dominant team. But you know, Hendrick have won back-to-back championships now, and they've had, you know, they had two cars in the final four this year, along with Gibbs. You know, they're they're right back at the sharp end of it now, and it's pretty damn impressive what they've achieved, considering it's been such a monumental shift in driver lineup and driver experience and. Right, Gail, we went from some of the most recognizable names in yeah. the sport to a bunch of young guys, but all these young guys, all the Hendrick drivers have really come to the forefront. Yeah. Even, you know, even, you know, even if you say, oh, you know, Alex is a hack. Exactly. <laughs> Alex just, the hack Bowman. Alex the hack Bowman. Dude. I'm like, I just, I think it's so Dude. hilarious that uh, <laughs> Denny Hamlin says, well, Alex Bowman gets his ass beat by his teammates. I'm like, Denny, you get your ass beat by Alex's teammates too, but yeah, he might have been 14th in points, but he won four races. And Byron, yeah, he won one, but Byron has shown he could be in the mix big time for top fives and wins all season. Yeah, I, I think I think all four all four of the young drivers have done well, and I think they all four have great careers ahead of them. And so, oh, and so while we kind of question this, I remember talking about it on the show a couple of years ago that they're losing all their experience and getting these young guys in there, and how detrimental this may be to the team with uh, a couple of years behind these guys now, it's paying dividends. And what did I say? If you remember back, I said the one thing that they've got, they, for for 15 years, Hendrick Motorsport have had the largest wage bill for drivers in the NASCAR field by a long way. You think what they were paying, and no disrespect to guys like Casey Kane, what they were paying those three drivers I just mentioned earlier at the peak of their careers, you know, tens of millions of dollars a year in driver salaries. And now, no disrespect to the four drivers they have now, nowhere near those sort of numbers in terms of salary. And I know for a fact they have massively reinvested that delta of, of, of resource back into the engineering side of the team and, and the other side of the team that we don't see on a you know weekly basis with the driver names and the driver salaries. And it's massively paying benefits now. And, you know, you've got to... You know, I know they've hired some really experienced, um, you know, people there to run that team from the technical side. And, you know, um, the Hendrick group have, have put their faith in some 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 pretty pretty well respected people in the industry, um, and it's really starting to pay dividends and pay off. And 
you know, you, you, you see that not it's not just one guy that's at the front, it's all four cars are there or thereabouts week in, week out. And that stands a testament to how they're running the team away from the track. Yeah, exactly. You know, just yeah, to your point, they freed up so much payroll money to use elsewhere that yeah, they've they've got uh, you know, they're the team to beat right now. Yeah. Just like just like Gibbs was three, four years ago. I think teams will probably have to look into that form that method, that concept, especially with the next gen car. I remember Kurt Bush was saying they may look for crew chief outside of NASCAR, Formula One or I think IMSA or even supercars because they know some teams are looking into this idea that maybe they got to rely on outside sources that has done it in multiple disciplines. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, with this new car, th- there's no doubt we're going to need to see some new blood in engineering departments in, in many of the teams. You know, I was I was looking at some specs on the new car just earlier today, and it's just, uh, you know, it's compared to the, the dinosaur is replacing, you know, it's, it's there, <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's, there's some pretty fabulous stuff there. Um, and, and I think uh, it might be slower initially. Yeah. Until we figure it all out. But, uh, yeah. but he, here's an interesting thing for you. So in theory, I was talking to somebody last week about this one, who's, who's a pretty senior uh, director at one of the teams. I was having a conversation with them last week and, Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a Spring training is right around the corner. So come for the games and have a ball in Arizona. With world-class resorts, unbeatable dining and nightlife, amazing scenery, and endless outdoor adventure. Make your visit unforgettable. Plan your getaway at myspringtraining.com. In theory, no car should ever fail inspection now. And in fact, they're talking about getting w- away from inspection because all the parts that they that you see on a car will actually be bought by vendors, bought from vendors, and they'll all be designed within reasonably tight tolerances. And there'll be a few thousand to play with in terms of uh, scaling and the like. But the theory is that no, even if you push the car to its limits, so that for a speed Speedway car, you want to make it as narrow as possible. For a, for a road course car, you want to give it as much downforce as possible and make it as big as possible. Even if you stretch it to the limits of all of these tolerances, they still should be within, you know, what you'd consider, <coughs> you know, conventional inspection windows. So it's, in theory, you should never have a car sent to the back because they failed inspection if they have it means they're not using approved NASCAR parts and we will see that we will see teams trying to slip a bracket in or a a suspension upright or a wishbone or whatever it is um you know that's not approved or has been dropped or something like that that's what you know you're going to see a lot of that oh you mean that that angle's too too stiff oh no i dropped that one sorry yeah you know that's what i think you're going to see happening 
Certainly, yeah, but uh, we're going to continue to see a lot of these cars testing in the offseason, and some of them look, you know, some of the, when they throw the uh, liveries on those, it's, I think it's a good-looking car. I, I'm, yeah. I, 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 I'm pretty excited to see how well they perform when there's 40 of them on the track, so. But uh, that being said, any more compelling NASCAR stories we need to touch on before we talk about this Formula One race? I think a couple of, sorry, go ahead. I think there's a just very few things to point out. Uh, obviously, Brad, Brad Keselowski had his final race with Roger Penske. Ironically, where you all talk about the celebration, they brought that big old cup of Miller Lite. Uh, the, the one from the championship, the one that looks like a big old cowboy. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I did see that. Yep. Let's see. Ryan Newman's future is still unknown. He'll still like to be in the top level. Ryan Priest, the only thing he has set up is the Snowball Derby, which he hasn't competed in the 13 years. Eric Amarola, though, Quietly had a strong car all day, finished sixth, and arguably you may say he was the best SHR driver towards the end of the year, not because he has had that one Loudon win and the only SHR driver to win, period. He just had a strong car all day, quietly, and, and lost into that shuffle. And then other stock car news, Noah Gregson's crew chief is now moving on to Eric Jones in the Cup Series, and Ben Bashir <laughs> will not be crew chiefing Kyle Busch in the Clash. He's been suspended for that luck nut violation. And speaking of the Clash, we did have a little preview of the track. I, I believe it was it was Kyle Larson, was it, that went out to visit the Coliseum? Yep, it was Kyle Larson visiting the Coliseum. I to still, do some I'm, interviews. I'm still up in the air if that thing is going to be fun to watch or just a, a one groove kind of, eh, you know, but uh, we'll it's see. already finicky as far as where media can be and where photographers can be as well. I'm keeping a close eye on that because I got to see if it's worth the travel to go there or just save up for Daytona St. Pete, but we'll see. Yeah. Well, I would vote for Daytona St. Pete myself, but, uh, so anyway, <laughs> yeah. and speaking of, speaking of Brad Keselowski and, and y'all know, <clears throat> Y'all know I'm a Keselowski fan. The, the I hate the fact that he's leaving Penske, but I'm happy for him taking on a, a partial ownership role, and, and I'd love to see what his career brings him next. But uh, the interesting thing for me is I was online the other day, and I went to the Penske website, and all of Brad's gear is on sale. <laughs> I got me I got me a real nice uh, blue Keystone Light Charlotte Brad Keselowski Team Penske hoodie that's $70 retail for 60 bucks. So, Hey, check it out. <laughs> so my quick plug for uh team Penske.com shop. So uh, anyway, so, uh, so Richard is stepping away for a second. So let's, before we get into formula one, let's talk about Kyle Kirkwood. Yes. You alluded to him a little earlier, Kyle Kirkwood, the Indy lights champion uh, who was hoping to have a home with Andretti Autosport, but uh, as things were maybe planned to be that if Colton Herta was to leave for Formula One, Kirkwood would be in that 26 car. In the meantime, they put uh, Devlin DeFrancesca in the 29 car because uh, Devlin is well-funded. And, you know, face it, the team needs that funding. So Kirkwood was a free agent, so he assigned with A.J. Foyt. Yes, indeed, uh, he'll be Bourdais. He'll be replacing Bourdais, in which Bourdais will go to IMSA in the Ganassi Cadillac program. And it's interesting that Bourdais had initially said he would he had hoped to run 
some limited, you know, starts with AJ Ford and try to help the team as much as he could. But it, it, it seems to me that uh, the Ford team has made the decision. They'd rather have the same guy in that car week after week after week. And they feel like Kirkwood is their guy. Uh, so Kirkwood, of course, is bringing the Indy Life sponsorship money, which is, you know, $1.375 million, which is not a small sum, but compared to what some other drivers are bringing in is a, a little paltry, you know, and it's supposed to guarantee you three stars with one of them being the Indy 500. And that's, that's how that's designed. Now for him to, to parlay this into a full-time ride is great. Uh, great for his career, you know, not so great that he's with AJ Foyt, but you know, at the end of the day, it's still a full-time ride. He's, he's going to be on the track week in, week out, able to show what he can do. I don't know if AJ's got him on a one-year deal, two-year deal or what. It's a one-year deal. The one year, looking a, at the transcript. A, yeah. So it's a one-year deal. So, uh, so he can get out of that if it's uh, if it doesn't seem to be promising enough, but, but at the same time, it's great for him to get the, the full year. Cause we've had a couple of lights champions. Spencer Piggott comes to mind that were only able to parlay their initial um, scholarship into that three race kind of deal. Or, or the one Indy lights champion that didn't even show up on the IndyCar grid period. Yeah. That guy just declined it. I, I forget who that was, but then you got a guy like uh, Gabby Chavez who was able to get a full season ride out of it with, uh, with Herta. But then when, you know, the other sponsorship fell through and, and Herta needed to merge a team with Andretti. Poor old Gabby Chavez was on the outside looking in. And Gabby drives still for Brian Herta in the Hyundai program in the off-road thing. So, all right. So, Richard, I see you're back. So, let's talk about the Grand Prix of Mexico. Wonderful facility Indeed. down there. Be- beautiful track. Yep. Um, yep. Uh, Max Verstappen. <clears throat> Max Verstappen is... Uh, Won the race, and that is the tenth race mm-hmm. for Red Bull this year. And I read a stat today that said if Max doesn't win this thing, right, the last mm-hmm. team, the last team to win ten races and not win the championship was who? Take a wild guess. Williams. No, Louise. You want to take a guess? As far as, as far as what? The last team to win 10 races and not win the championship. Hmm. Something tells me it might be Ferrari 08. No. Ferrari won the championship in 08, if you recall. No, you're you're right. Excuse me. Excuse me. McLaren 08. Well, if you would have said McLaren 05, you'd be right. Uh, Yeah, makes sense. Right. Yeah. 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 Winner. Winner bust. Yeah. I don't know. Just I mean, uh, interesting stat I read today, but yeah. uh, r- right now at the moment, it does not look like Verstappen is going to lose this thing because he uh, he just continues to deliver race wins. So, Richard, go ahead and uh, talk yep. us through through the uh, Grand Prix of Mexico, where the uh, third place guy on the podium caused a lot of ruckus there among the fans. <laughs> yeah, I mean, goodness me! Imagine what would happen if Checo actually won the thing. Wow. But uh, that was never going to happen, unfortunately, with uh, with the title in the way the championship the way it is set. 
you know, as, as much as the home fans would like to see it, I think everybody would like to see it. Red Bull were never going to allow Checo to win that if, if Max was was uh, in, in, you know, up around in second place. But um, it was pretty much Red Bull-dominated weekend, apart from qualifying, really. Um, you know, they look phenomenal in the race pace, you know. Very rarely have, do you hear uh, Hamilton come on the radio and say, these guys are just too quick. And he did that multiple times in the last two races in Austin and uh, Mexico City. So, you know, Red Bull really have all their ducks in a row right now and are really executing incredibly well. Um, and if they maintain the speed in the next three or four races, then it's championship over, I think. All that, McLaren, all that Mercedes can do with Hamilton is try and get P2 and hope that something happens to Verstappen in terms of reliability or an accident or you know collision, retirement, whatever it may be. Because on pure pace, nah, nothing's going to happen here. You know, Mercedes are not going to catch Red Bull. And Mexico City, prime example of it. It's a difficult track to follow closely anyway because of the atmospheric conditions. You know, it's at relatively high altitude, thin air, which does have an aerodynamic effect on the vehicle, on the car, you know, aerodynamics and engine um, implications. So you can never run that close. That's why Mexico has three DRS zones. So it does give an advantage, you know, to to try and get within that one second window and and try and close those gaps there. But, um, you know, you really can't, you cannot fault what Red Bull are doing right now. It is phenomenal. It's, it's just, you know, executing. And the great thing about it is they're executing under pressure. You look at what Mercedes have done recently and what Red Bull did back with the in the Vettel era. You know, they were impressive, but they were really only ever fighting themselves. You know, there was never... Yeah, there's been the odd season where it has been potentially between two different, um, you know, manufacturers or constructors. But at the moment, this season, you know, it is these two teams going ahead. And it is Red Bull that are making the least mistakes and they're executing in, in the, the best way imaginable. And you've really got to tip your hat to them and, 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 and you praise them for what they're doing. It's, it's phenomenal. And, um, you know, back down the pack there, normally where there's some pretty good and intense racing, it just wasn't really that sort of race weekend, unfortunately. Um, you know, Gasly drove a fantastic race to get P4. Checo yeah. did okay to get P3. I was going to say, I don't, I don't think a television camera set on Gasly all day. No, it was, you know, it was just, just, so what you're just saying phenomenal. is Gasly, just, like just, Carlos Sainz a couple years ago, quietly yeah, had like, a great run, so no one talks about it. I thought Gasly had a great yeah. run. I think I, I, you know, for whatever reason, I just, I just really like Gasly. I think he's a, he, he's a great uh, younger talent, and I think he's got a great future ahead of him. But uh, yeah, yeah I mean, oh, just very, very, very quietly, great run to fourth place. Of course, uh, you know, Perez, first Mexican to sit on the podium in a Mexican Grand Prix. Everybody loved that. But what I, I, and I guess it was the situation. It was the fact that it was a Mexican driver coming on the podium at the Mexican Grand Prix. But to my mind, it was a bit of a meh, race by check. I mean, he did, it didn't do bad, but he didn't do anything amazing. You know, he was on that alternate strategy a little bit, which gave him a chance to try and close in on Hamilton towards the end. But I'd like to have seen them gone longer on those medium tyres and, 
and maybe giving him a, t- a chance on the soft tire, you know, towards the end. But, you know, he, he did okay. Um, but there's a handful of drivers, that I think, in the same situation could have got the same result for him, you know, as he did. Um, I just think it was, you know, it was obviously great for him and great for the crowd. But, you know, he came third, guys. You know, I say if he'd won the race, I'd have got it. But yeah, he came, uh, in he, fairness, he got a P3. He got a P3, which was good, you know, and but I what think it he'll did, be disappointed a little bit. Yeah, what it did is tighten up that constructors championship battle big time now. Yeah, at one point I mean, it looked like Mercedes were going to probably hold off, but now with those back-to-back yeah. podiums, they're there. Oh yeah, especially as as, as Valtteri had a you know a, a really poor weekend. Yeah, I guess, um, from well, a, well, Valtteri oh, yeah, he, started yeah. started from the pole. And he got yeah. Tired. Yeah, so let, let's, uh, well, let's talk about that first lap yeah. a little bit. So, yeah, so so you got this. I think it's probably the longest run down to turn one on the grid. Maybe Barcelona's uh, up there in terms of distance from the start finish line to the first corner. And, you know, because the slipstream is so effective around there, again, it's a bit like Sochi. You know, there's a lot of you don't really want to start, you know, first or second. You know, third and fourth is a pretty good spot to be. As that's it, it proved this, uh, you know, past Sunday when, you know, Valtteri and Lewis got some pretty good starts, but Max got a competent start. I think on the timing, the reaction times that the FAA of Formula One put up, Max was a little bit slower, but he had that slipstream coming down into turn one and was able to get on the outside of um, uh, Bottas sort of going into turn one, which which sort of pinched Bottas to the inside a little bit. And Danny Ricciardo sort of locked up a hair going into that corner and, and did tag the back end of Valtteri. Valtteri span. Um, Ricciardo had to have a new wing. I don't think Valtteri had any damage, but they pitted him anyway as a strategy call, put him on the hard tyre because um, there was a safety car at the um, at the end of the, the, the first lap there to help clear up. Sonoda, who'd had a, uh, a coming together with, uh, I think it was it was Ocon in the uh, Alpine there. So, but then you had this situation where pretty much Valtteri and, and Danny Ricciardo were just like following each other for the whole race, and Valtteri just couldn't get past him. And I don't think he had any damage um, in that early phase there. But again, you know, the fact that he spent fifty odd laps behind Ricciardo. And then had a slow pit stop when he finally came in to change his tyres later in the race. It just, again, sort of summed up a little bit of... Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Texting privacy policy in terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting rules for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. That's right. Millions of kids in kindergarten through third grade in the United States cannot read at grade level. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just 
$1. Text the word GRADE to 323232 right now. Hooked on Phonics is highly effective and incredibly fun, and everything can be done right from home and in less than 20 minutes a day. For more than 30 years, Hooked on Phonics has been the proven learn-to-read program that kids love to use. Text GRADE to 323232 and teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. Text GRADE to 323232 right now and get started for just $1. Text GRADE to 323232 now. Text GRADE to 323232. What Mercedes were looking at with Valtteri maybe not being on that same level as Hamilton. And I mean, Hamilton was actually, I don't know whether it was just tongue in cheek or realistic, but he's, he was critical of, of Valtteri for letting Verstappen through at the start of the race, which I think is a little bit harsh. But um, yeah, it wasn't a great weekend for Valtteri. And, um, the next three or four races, I think he's just winding down and wanting to get out of there and, and head over to Alfa Romeo for next year. I, I don't think there's much enthusiasm there. I think that some of the things that have come out of the team, I said that quote by Lewis was a little bit much in my mind. And um, yeah, I think he's just looking forward to to getting out of there and a fresh start next year. No, for yeah, sure. he's uh, yeah, he's off maligned, you know, by both fans and and his own team. Uh, you know, when when the guy mm-hmm. at the end of the day, he's he's a decent Formula One driver. He wouldn't be in that seat if he wasn't. No, but here's the thing. Yeah. Here's the thing. When you have a constructor championship on the line, sure, what happened at the start is one thing, but if he needs to kind of st- he needs to step it up if he's going to stop Checo in some sudden momentum of podiums if you're going to bring Mercedes to their uh, end the turbo hybrid era undefeated in the constructors. It's just simple. yeah. I mean, I, I think you look at it, and I think that yeah, it's yeah, it, it, it's sort of it's sort of petering out a little bit right now, isn't it, for Valtteri? And as I say, you know, some of the things that have come his way publicly have been pretty harsh. You imagine what's being said behind the doors. And you know, at the end of the day, he's probably like, well, screw you guys. You know, he, you, I'm not I'm not going to sit around here and be spoken to like that. So, you know I what? Mean, even a couple, one of those races, he pretty much felt that way. I forget which one it was, but there was one race this season that kind of gave that vibe. It's like, dude, you've got to yeah. give me the chance because if they... Oh, is that, is that, is that the one where they, they forced him for the engine change? And then, then he put that thing on his Instagram about, yeah, here, Valtteri. Not that one. There was another one in race where they thought that he thought that the, this approach will benefit the team, if not the other way around, but that didn't work out. I forget what yeah, race I it mean, was. It was early in the year. Yeah, I, I, I just think it's that, that relationship has run its course, and I think it's... Yeah. It's time for that change to go, you know, to 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 happen. Obviously, but so for, um, for sure, because it's kind of at this moment he's going through the motions. And honestly, yeah, exactly. If you're going through the motions, that and when you're when the constructors is still on the line, where is it? What like now? <clears throat> one point the gap. How how how? It is close, and I know it's very close. It's single digits now. Number. But, but I, I think, you know, that, that momentum, you'd have to certainly look at it as, as being in Red Bull's court, for sure. Yeah. And um, it'll be interesting to see where it all plays out in, you know, the next few races. But I think, you know, obviously you're in Brazil this weekend. That's the third race in a row, uh, you know, back-to-back-to-back weekends. And, I, you know, I think we said before going into Austin, these three races were critical. 
Mm-hmm. You know, because prior to Austin, Mercedes had a bit of a you know rejuvenation and some good results there. But you know, you look at it now and you're like, okay, you know, Red Bull have really got everything going in the right direction. And if they if they come out three and zero in these in these three races on in the you know America continent races, that's it. I think I don't I can't see Mercedes getting back into the constructors or Lewis getting back into the drivers. I think this has been the you know, this is like the, you know, this is like a tight ball game going into the start of the fourth quarter with, you know, Mercedes being behind by a score. But then, you know, Red Bull just have this perfect drive that eats up loads of the clock and and leaves, the, you know, gets this really nice touchdown at the end of the drive and, and leaves the other team just, you know, hoping for fumbles and, and Hail Marys sort of thing going into into the, you know the two minute warning, and I just think that, that that's the situation we're in right now, and and these three races have been critical in the championship season. Yeah. Wow. Wow, that. Richard. I I didn't realize you watched enough American football to nail that reference. Yeah. Oh, you know. I know. <laughs> yeah, more, 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 more often than not, when you talk about football to me, it's what uh, what what us American blokes call soccer. But uh, yeah, nice nice analogy. I like that a ton. Uh. Good job. Go ahead. Go ahead, Louise. I'm sorry. Yeah, I said, like I said, say, good analogy indeed. I said, I agree. I totally agree with you, Richard, because I said in the back of my mind, if Verstappen delivers in Austin, delivers in Mexico, and delivers in Interlaw, it goes game over. Because I said to my mind, though, I said Mexico and especially Interlagos should favor Max. And then we'll see how those Middle East races, because the Middle East should favor Hamilton. But if Hamilton does not deliver in those American races going into the Middle East portion of the campaign, it's over for Lewis. And it's yeah. looking like it that way right now. So he's going to need a lot of help and car and drama in Interlagos. And I'm not talking about outside the track. We're talking about inside the track. Then mm-hmm. we got something go. Then this title will be really, really compelling. Yep. No, Absolutely. No, yeah. So. so now, guys, we've just got about oh, five or six minutes left. And I do want to touch on a couple of stories about manufacturers joining uh, various sports. And and the first one I want to mention is uh, the Dodge uh, is seem to have thrown their hat back into the ring of NASCAR. Steve Phelps made a comment uh, that where he really kind of dodged the question, but they said he could neither confirm nor deny uh, that Dodge was involved, but he also said that Dodge is probably the closest to joining in and that things are progressing and we'll announce something when we have something to announce. Now, the other one is that uh, it's widely reported that the Volkswagen group, which encompasses Porsche and Audi, uh, so, so they can you know, badge the cars as Porsches and Audis because if we badge them as VWs, Louise won't be happy. Who said I wasn't <laughs> I just had to bring it up against hilarious. Um, and, and so it's looking like Volkswagen is trying to f- put some feelers out there to see if they could just buy into uh, one of the existing teams. And the teams they've spoken with are McLaren, which is intriguing because I didn't, I don't think that McLaren is actually for sale, but uh, uh, you know, it, it, I don't know how much of a, uh, a piece Volkswagen AG would want to buy uh, the other teams are Williams and of course Sauber. And when, when we know from the whole thing with Andretti that Sauber is a bit open to 
talking to folks that may want to buy into their team. So, uh, uh, Richard, are you, are you hearing anything on the, the Porsche rumors? Because they, they they tend to get stronger and stronger that, that as we go to the new engine, this is something that, uh, you know, Volkswagen, AG, Porsche, Audi are very interested in showcasing. Yeah, I, th- I think you look at, uh, especially the Audi brand, they, of the performance brands, they've probably been the most, active in this hybrid e-mobility era i think from what they're doing with their cars at like the audi uh, e-tron as they call in them uh, but and porsche have their own you know e-mobility vehicles as well and vw are pretty big in that as well so i i think they're probably the one brand that is missing from formula one that could benefit from this sustainability image that they've seen and, and actually Formula One have announced they've got a lot of new graphics and a lot of new um, e-mobility sustainability uh, marketing and promotional work that will be kicking off in Sao Paulo this weekend um, they have been talking a while about coming back in and, and some of the words and some of the sound bites coming out of, of Porsche have been you know if we're going to do it this is the time to do it blah 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 um, and I think it's getting closer, and I think it's more likely to happen than not. The interesting thing will be, um, well, where do they get the resources from? And when, when I say that, th- there are only – to be competitive, as you saw with Honda, it took them a Honda a long time to get competitive in Formula 1, and then they eventually pulled the plug on the deal. You can't you – can as, as Honda has a reputation of doing. For sure. Yeah, they've been, uh, in, but, they've been in and out of Formula 1 at least four times. Yes, and your know, Porsche won't want to, that, that VW Porsche Audi group won't want to be in the same boat. They won't want to look at it and go, okay, we're coming in, but it's going to take us six years to become competitive. They'd want to be competitive reasonably quickly. So where do you get your talent pool from, from an engineering standpoint? You know, Mercedes powertrain are very, very strong in terms of personnel, and a lot players have left Mercedes and gone to the new Red Bull powertrain unit. And then, of course, you've got Ferrari there, um, Renault there, who are maybe not as strong, should we say, potentially, on the power unit side. So if Porsche were to come in and say, right, okay, we need to find 500, 750, maybe even 1,000 employees to make a competitive engine, where do you get these people from? I mean, it's a great time to be involved in that. That's out of the work because the pe- the money is going to be thrown around like nobody's business. Yeah, Vol- um, yeah Volkswagen is one of the most uh, cash rich companies on earth. Mo- most yes. people, most people don't realize that, but but they are. Yeah, and you know you look at you know, you look at obviously the restrictions you have in Formula One at the moment in terms of um, you know. Um, Salary cap, not salary caps, budget caps, and they're like, well, that's as far as I'm aware, there's no implications on that on the engine side. So these engine companies and these engine manufacturers, and I may be wrong in that, but I don't think it is, have huge budgets, and that's where a lot of this work's going. Um, so it'll be very interesting to see what happens, you know, with this if they do come in, who they hire. And I mean, you're looking at what 2026 is the new engine regulation. I believe is the time scale. So that, yeah, that, gonna, that's the target date, 2026. They're going to have to be starting and make a firm announcement within the year. I think realistically it'll take, it would take three years, I think, to create a competitive package that could 
be reasonably competitive in the first couple of years. And then by the third year, so by 2029, you'd want to be on a level playing field with everybody else. Um, so it's starting to, you know, it's starting to take shape. Something's going to have to happen pretty quickly, I think. You know, first of all, the engine regulations for 2026 have to be finalized by the FIA and all the current engine manufacturers. And <laughs> Excuse me, I don't know if that's been done officially yet. So there's still a few little, you know, little bits and pieces and maneuverings to 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 sort of come to to fruition on that one but um it's an interesting situation i think and and i hope they do come in you know i think the more manufacturers oh i I hope hope they do i mean you know you know golly volkswagen is one of my favorite uh makes my first as as a young as a young person my first seven cars i owned were volkswagens Uh, the first car i ever owned was a was a volkswagen as they called it in Europe, a Volkswagen Golf, which I think it was like the Rabbit in the US or something. Yeah, yeah. No, I, Polo. Sorry, the Volkswagen Polo. Well, it, the it, Rabbit. I think it, it, was, it was. It was the Rabbit in the US. It was the Polo somewhere, and it was the Golf in a lot of places. Yeah. But, well, yeah. the Golf's a bigger version. The Golf's slightly bigger than the Polo. Uh, there was like well, two little. Yeah, but they they called the original Rabbit the Golf in a few places. Okay, uh, Polo. Okay. But then, then when they when yeah. they when they rebranded it, uh, you know, when they made the bigger car, which was in about eighty uh, eighty five, yeah, I don't remember eighty five or so. Uh, then they they just made it, then they made it golf across the board, all countries. You didn't yeah, have names, but uh, but I think it's a great. I think it's a, it's a perfect I, I, brand for Formula One. I, I, I think, think it's you really yeah, need it in there. Yeah, even if it's badge as a Porsche or an Audi. But I, you know, I would, I would love to see the Volkswagen name on a Formula One car. Is when I, I was, think it is. I, I'm gonna tell you this. Yeah, this is kind of funny. When I was a little kid, I, I would, you know, draw future Formula One cars, and I would always draw the Volkswagen branded Formula One cars. And I finally yeah. remember the, you know, of course, you know, my my family race team. You know, we run the Formula V series, which is uh, it runs very old Volkswagen air cooled engines. But I used to be a huge fan of the old Super V series. Which was also known mm-hmm. as Mini Indy, which is one of the it was a USAC precursor to uh, uh, what they call Indy License Day and Age. But those were, you know, those were essentially the rabbit engines in race cars. So I, you know, Volkswagen's got a pretty good uh, history in racing, as well as yeah. you talk about you know touring car championships and those sort of things too. But uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, they but, do have a spec series in the UK for VW. But yeah, I imagine they'd use the Porsche brand. I think that's the brand that's been touted for a while. But I think that also, uh, you know, probably looked that you know, similar to the Honda have done in the US when the, when they raced at Austin, they ran the Acro branding. And it was actually interesting, wasn't it? I don't know if you caught it, but part of Lewis Hamilton's radio transmission midway through the race was, oh, look, they've got Acura on the back of their rear wing, <laughs> you know? And it's amazing how they sort of, you know, they have the mental capacity to process these sort of things. It was... I thought it was an amazing radio transmission by Lewis there, just to say, oh, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It's also admitting, hey, I'm behind him. I fell fell through art of time, but real quick, uh, Brazil this week, who do you like? Max. Okay, you said Sorry. it first. <laughs> yeah, you said Max. I'll go with... Hmm. Screw it, Gasly. Gasly, oh. yeah. 
there you go. Um, I would, of course, you know, my brain goes with Max, but because we're, we have our little rule that we pick different people. I'll go with Lewis. Uh, say he gets out of his losing streak to Max, but I really think Max is going to win. So, but anyway, I want to thank you, Louise, Richard. I want to thank the Hoobazoo Radio Network. I want to thank Spreaker, iHeartRadio, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. And but most of all, I want to thank you, folks, who listen to us week in and week out. And uh, quick preview next week, Jade Gers, author of uh, the new book, uh, Al Unser Jr.'s biography, as told to Jade Gers, Al Unser Jr., a checkered pass. Jade Gers, great friend of the show. He will be on for his fourth appearance with us. You won't want to miss that one. But until then, good night. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.